The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As many of you know, at the end of Advent, we have what are called the Great O Antiphons, those short little prayers that are sung before and after the Magnificat at evening prayer during the final week leading up to Christmas. And this is where we get the Advent carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The Anglican patrimony, however, is slightly different. It has one additional antiphon. The medieval English usage moved them all up one day and then it added an additional one at the end. And it goes like this, O virgin of virgins, how shall this be? For neither before thee was any like thee, nor shall there be after. Daughter of Zion, why marvel ye at me? The thing which ye behold is a divine mystery. And so the motherhood of this virgin is a sign that God is both the Father above and that God is also the Son who has come down from heaven to be among us. Mary's virginity is hailed as an outward sign of her purity of soul. The Greek liturgies of St. Basil the Great and St. John Chrysostom call her Panagia, the All-Holy One, and Panagiota, the All-Sinless One. Thus, she is the Virgin of Virgins, the exemplar of chastity and virtue. Archbishop William Wake outlined the Church of England's view on Mary in a sermon in 18, or sorry, 1688, saying, we believe her to have been 
a most pure and holy and virtuous creature, that her virginity, that her virgin mind was clean and spotless as her body was chaste and immaculate, and that she was upon the count of both the most fit of any of her race or sex for the Holy Ghost to overshadow her and for the Son of the Most High to inhabit. One of the curious things about the prayer book liturgy is how Thomas Cranmer, in putting it together, composed a new collect and preface for Christmas. And in the collect, he describes Mary as not just the virgin, but a pure virgin. Now, literally, that's slightly confusing. I mean, you're either a virgin or you're not. But what Cranmer was getting at was the same thing that Archbishop Wake had talked about. Mary's purity of body was important, but even more important was that purity of soul of which her bodily purity was the sign. We see the same thought carried over into his new preface for Christmas. The priest says at that moment, by the operation of the Holy Ghost, Jesus was made very man of the substance of the Virgin Mary, his mother, and that without spot of sin, to make us clean from all sin. So Cranmer insists that the substance of the Virgin Mary, the source of the humanity from which the incarnate word would take his humanity was without spot of sin. Again, she had that virgin purity of soul. And all the reformers agreed that this purity of body and soul continued after that. It wasn't really until the 1800s that Protestants gradually gave up on this idea of the perpetual virginity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. But for the original reformers, this would have been unthinkable. Martin Luther made a straightforward assertion that, quote, it is an article of faith that Mary is the mother of the Lord and still a virgin. Calvin indicated that the brothers of the Lord mentioned in the gospel are cousins. There is no Hebrew word for cousin. Brothers are kind of the Jewish parlance that would substitute for any kind of relative. You find Abraham's nephew Lot being referred to as his brother at one point. Likewise, Vingley wrote, I firmly believe that Mary, according to the words of the gospel, as a pure virgin, brought forth for us the Son of God, and in childbirth and after childbirth forever remained a pure, intact virgin. Anglicans also continued to hold that belief. Archbishop Cranmer wrote, I believe that Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary without any manner of sin and without any breach of her virginity. And he argued that this was not an optional belief, but a mandatory one. Sort of like the Trinity, that particular language may not have been in the Bible, but the idea behind it is certainly there for all to see. And the same is the case with the perpetual virginity of the Virgin Mary. We see it in the gospel today. Consider for a moment, if I was visiting with a young couple preparing for a wedding here at the church, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a message from the Lord. He wants me to tell you something. And I began to prophesy. And I, I said, 
you're going to have a baby boy. And this boy is going to be especially gifted and will grow up to be a great leader. What kind of reaction would I get? Well, the one reaction I would not expect, the one that wouldn't make any sense, would be the response of the bride-to-be to say something like, well, how could that be possible since I'm a virgin? It's normal and expected that a young woman about to marry would become pregnant with a child. That's how these things work. So why this unusual reaction from Our Lady? How can this be? I know not a man. In Mary's backstory that we get from extra-biblical tradition, we find that her parents, sort of like the parents of John the Baptist, are older and unable to care for her in their old age. So Mary goes to what is basically the, the, the temple boarding school where maidens sing in the choir there and weave the veils and so forth. And part of that tradition is that she made a vow of perpetual virginity to honor God. But when she ages out of the temple school, typically those young maidens are married off, but she's, of course, in this different situation with that vow. But there's a widower named Joseph who agrees to take her in as his new wife. He's okay with her vow because he's already got children and he's not interested in expanding his family. And with that background, now Mary's inexplicable reaction makes perfect sense. She knows where babies come from. That's not why she's so puzzled. How can this be? How can I become a mother and yet fulfill my vow? And so the angel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. With God, remember, nothing is impossible. Knowing that she could fulfill her vow of virginity, and now this new invitation to matrimony, her special calling to be the mother of God as foretold by the angel, Mary said yes to God. I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary had welcomed God first into her heart before she welcomed God into her womb. To take that sacred humanity into communion with divinity, to make a fresh start on a new humanity for all of us. May all of us say yes to God, welcoming Him afresh into our hearts, welcoming Him anew into our lives. For with God, nothing will be impossible. O Virgin of virgins, how shall this be? For neither before thee was there any like thee, nor shall there be after. Daughters of Jerusalem, why marvel ye at me? The thing which ye behold is a divine mystery. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.